conversation today. So I'm going to quickly introduce Carissa, whom I think a lot of you know, and then I'll hand it off to Amy Lane to lead our meditation. So Carissa Aiken, among other things, is my neighbor. She's married to Kelly Aiken and has two little girls. Carissa grew up in Colorado and she's done um, a lot, a lot more than a lot of us. She's done everything from work um, in the corporate world to train and compete on the mobile circuit while still somehow managing her corporate job. Here in Jackson, she founded Opera Visual. So she, um, through that company, she's done a lot of production and photography work. She also helped found the Jackson Hole Bay Force, uh, yes. right? And she um, runs currently, she started and runs with her mom and her sister and friend, Explore, which um, manufactures and sells merino wool base layers for kids. Um, in addition to that, she has experienced a lot of trauma in her life. She, in college, uh, lost her brother very suddenly. She lost um, her father very suddenly right before the shutdown and right after her second daughter and niece were born. So we will be talking a lot about that with Carissa and how that sort of shaped her um, worldview. And with no further ado, I'll introduce Amy Lane. She can take the seat and we'll do a quick meditation. Thank you. Hi everyone, um, my name is Amy Lane and I just wanna invite you into a moment of mindfulness and presence. So get a posture that works for you. You might have a child on your lap. You can have to get into a formal eyes closed feet on the floor, but just as long as you're comfortable. Get yourself grounded and invite you to just take a couple of cleansing breaths. And I like to say when I begin meditation like this and it will be just can we make an agreement with ourselves just be in this moment. But we're in agreement. We're not against being here, we're not against any part of ourselves. We're both. I don't know, is anyone else having trouble hearing? Because I can't hear very well. Okay. Should we move the right hand into this part? Should we move the eye up? Sure. Just for Amy. Oh, good. Is that better? Why is it? Can you hear me now? Is that better? Yes, way better. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So, COVID has brought each of us challenges. And Perhaps we have lost, or maybe even lost, out of what we thought life should look like. And so I just want to invite each one of us now to be with whatever, especially anything related to grief. And again, if something comes up that really triggers grief, I invite you to reach out to me outside of this session if you want to. So we know that whatever we resist tends to get stronger and persist. So I'd like to just ask you to open up to whatever you might be experiencing, and particularly around sorrow and grief. And I'm going to just suggest a stance to just 
some statements that perhaps you can embrace. So noticing whatever comes up and not rejecting it, not clinging to it. We can ask ourselves, we can say to ourselves, may I be open to the sorrow and to the pain and grief? May I find the inner resources to be really present for my sorrow? May I notice any judgment or resistance that arises, understanding that this too shall pass. May I accept my sadness, knowing that I am not only in sadness. And if you've cared for someone and felt like it wasn't always so easy, perhaps reflect on this phrase. May I forgive myself for not meeting my loved one's needs. May I forgive myself for not always being able to meet my loved one's needs. May I forgive myself for mistakes made and for things left undone. And this is so true for all of us. In all of our life, may I forgive myself for mistakes made and things left undone. May I be open with others and with myself about my experience of loss. May I be open to receive the kindness of others as they support me in this journey of grief. And as we complete this brief exploration of grief, may I and all beings learn from and transform sorrow. May I and all beings learn from and transform sorrow. And again, noticing whatever's arising for you as your thoughts are present, not clinging to them or resisting whatever you're feeling in your body. How the body feels as you consider the possibility that grief is a profoundly humanizing, transforming experience. And to bring greater light into our lives by embracing them. That meditation was roughly structured around material from Joe Both your 
um, Father and your brother that way, but you said that it was your own near-death experience that really um, had an almost more profound impact on you than than any either of those other two levels. And I was wondering if you could tell us about that. I mean, you can tell us the whole story if you want. It is interesting. Everyone here get back right now for so they might be interested in hearing the whole, all the gory details, um, or you can paraphrase whatever. But tell us what that experience um, taught you. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that really just helps you prioritize your life more than falling 80 feet into a river. Um, to just dial back for a second, my brother died when I was 23, and I was very much on living the life that I thought I was supposed to be living. I went to college. I went to do my master's. I got my corporate job, and I was just firing on all cylinders of this is the life that I was meant to lead. And when my brother died, my entire identity just got pulled out from underneath me. And that kind of, so from there, I went on this, well, I can keep, maybe I can keep doing that. And I can do all these things I've been wanting to do. So I started skiing 100 days a year and um, taking mobile ski lessons with a bunch of 12 year olds. I was 23 and just having a really great time. Um, all but, while doing your corporate job. Yes. Um, also, living very much on the edge um, and not in balance in a lot of ways. And it figuratively caught up with me. I was mountain biking. <laughs> Literally, I guess, it caught up with me. Uh, and I hit, a wet, I hit a wet route on a very simple trail, and it just happened to be... Uh, an exposed section and I slid 80 feet. I free fell about 10 of those feet um, and realized, oh my God, just clear as day. This is how I die. I hit the, I hit the bottom of the river. Thankfully I was a diver in college. I hit the bottom of the river. I pulled my feet up to just kind of protect all my internal organs and the river was shockingly shallow. Um, so I heard my you know, back break and um, was pulled into the river. Uh, I was able to get back to the side, um, even though this was a, this is the Lewis River, it's a gorgeous river, lots of big waterfalls, um, but I was able to get back to the side. Um, I realized pretty quickly nobody had seen me fall and I couldn't see anyone uh, 80 feet up. And I started screaming, you know, just screaming. And um, at that point I had, you know, pretty much just, you know, when, you know, uh, not been dealing with my brother. And in that moment, he came to me and he said, shocking to me because I was not a very spiritual person at the time. And he said, stop screaming. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to die. And he said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. I need to see that Eddie. And he said, nope, you're not because there's a waterfall ahead. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna die. He's like, no, you're not. You can't. It's not your time. You need to be there for your mom, for our mom, dad, and our sister. And we need to move to Jackson. I've been dating my now husband for three years. 
and be with him. And it's time to, you, you want to start a family and this is, this will set that in motion. Just very simply priorities. And okay, I didn't have much to say after that. Um, he stayed with me. And when someone got into earshot up above, he said, okay, you can scream now. And so I screamed and the person with me, you know, started the rescue. But for me, that was just so eye-opening um, that, you know, death is part of life. Suffering is a part of life. And just because we've been through something bad doesn't mean there's not, we don't know what's around the corner. And so that really helped me start to understand, I didn't really realize it at the time, but really understand where my values were and, and start to align my life to my values. Um, and that, you know, one book that I, I just have some books along the way that have really helped me in my life. And one I'll just mention, and I can send them later, but as uh, Pema Children and When Things Fall Apart. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a beautiful book for me to really stop running from the, the loss and the grief that I was experiencing um, and realize that the most beautiful moment is today, is right now and the present and really falling in love with, with, with what life is and, and starting to have a relationship with my brother even though I couldn't see him anymore. So you had said something like about a, a death meditation that you yes. done, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought we should start a death meditation today, but then I thought, I don't know, we may not jump in there. Yeah, no. I'm not sure what the death meditation is, but you did say that that any kind of, along with your experiences, helped you sort of align your values with your yeah, life, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. dreams where I was pretty sure that he actually pushed me <laughs> but you know what I mean it was like I if, if for me to finally come to that realization um that they're still here and that I needed to foster that relationship and continue to foster that relationship it's kind of what it took for me pretty hard-headed <laughs> uh, my sister can attest um as far as the death meditation I actually this is something pretty new to me um, and throughout the grief that I've experienced, my brother um, and then my, my dad right before the pandemic, and then the pandemic, um, I stumbled upon this box podcast called Future Perfect. And they have, one of them is about, it's uh, the benefits of contemplating death. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and what she, you know, uh, kind of takes you through is is just being more aware that um, and, and being okay with that death is a reality. It's not a problem that we're trying to solve. It's just part of the human existence and that we are, um, you know, we're here for only a certain amount of time. And 
I think for, for us, it's hard to understand time, you know, um, and that cre it creates that scarcity of time in a way that makes it easier to say, you know, I'm going to align my, my life to my values. And it doesn't matter where I am on life's journey. I can start to, you know, I want to start today. Um, and so just also just being, you know, she takes you kind of through like, you know, breathing and, and thinking about that being your last breath. And I just think that the way you go out into your day and the way you look at people and the way you interact with people, um, knowing that all of this is impermanent um, is a really beautiful thing. It's, it's helped me deal with a lot of the um, loss and also just where I don't feel like in our culture, we can really talk comfortably always about death. Um, it's something that I've started to make more of a point of and, and um, instead of running away from it, making it more part of my journey and my process. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have an experience. Um, a lot of people your age or your age have an experience the death of a loved one. So it does sort of put you in a different cat, like almost a little different reality yeah. sometimes than other people. And um, people don't always know how to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, we're so sheltered as Americans for that, don't we? Yeah. Um, we don't, yeah, our, our culture like deals with that a little bit differently. And then also so like, you know, everyone in Silicon Valley is like trying to figure out how to live forever. Yeah, and, so, you, you know, know it's, it's like definitely it's not something we're allowed to do. Yeah, and it's not something that um, we feel comfortable talking about. And mm -hmm. it's just, what a shame because it's not, it's part of life and, and it, will give you so much clarity and so many like when you're spiraling spiral like I spiral all the time about different things and then I'm like yeah but it's helped me a lot get through really big things yeah it does put things in perspective um future perfect the benefits of contemplating that. So um, bringing all this back to kind of the mama theme, you had said um, that despite of really all these traumas you had experienced, it was um, not until the birth of your first daughter, Evie, that you really struggled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and can you, you know, what did that look like for you, new parenthood? And yeah. why was that so much harder than... Yeah, and other things. it was, you know, and as I reflect back on my life, I think I was always anxious. I was always anxious about something bad happening. And I remember after my brother, I was like, like, it was so awful, but that was what it was. That's what I've been fearing my whole life. That's what I've been running from or scared of. But you know, like it gets then just to, to, to dial back like then that that's where a lot of that like just understanding the impermanence and things being okay with it has helped. But um but getting through the the loss of the, my brother and then my near death experience, going into becoming a mom to me was such a beautiful, happy, everything is gonna just be like this is gonna this is gonna save us all. I this is gonna turn my life around, right? Like I'm not like all this loss and now. I'm bringing someone into the world. Like my parents are going to be okay again. And um, 
it actually ended up being really hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you lose your identity when you become a mom in a lot of ways. And so for me, at first, it wasn't about like bringing somebody into the world. It was more like a little bit of loss again. <laughs> right? Um, it's I struggled a lot when I had my um, when I had my first um, Everly. And uh, I had a really tough year, first year. Um, and so going into to, to my um, being pregnant for the second time, I was very honest and open with my OBGYN. And I was like, you know, I need help. Um, and she's like, oh, well, you would have to return to pregnant. It's, you know, super helpful. And I was like, oh, I just don't know. Like, oh, you know, just spiraling. It's going to be spiraling. First spiral most of my pregnancy. And then thank God for my sister, who then got pregnant. Eight weeks in, she's like, there you go. <laughs> and she got help and she got on a you know an antidepressant and um I saw the, the benefits within a week and went in and finally you know said yeah, I need help let's 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 do this and I can't tell you I wish I had found you know I, I wish I had asked for help 10 years earlier um medication for me has been um truly life-changing um I changed my perspective like you don't like I just my thoughts of like when who needed an antidepressant like way off. Um, it's helped me from you know just be the mom I want to be. Helps me with my anxiety, um, and it helps give me just more presence. And I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. And there's so much stigma also about yeah. antidepressants. So. Yeah. Yeah. We should take them. Yeah. But the great thing is like. 2021 like mental health is super cool so I think it's so and it's super cool like we need to talk about it and that's been like life-changing for Kaylee and I where sometimes like people suck people in and we're like they were like a billboard for like sex relief is what we're on and uh you know but we had a couple conversations where like like they weren't even telling us that they were struggling with anything but two weeks later they're like thank you for you know, talking to me, I want to talk to somebody and I'm better and I'm already feeling more like myself again. So that's just the, what it's been able, what that's the deal, it's been able to help me. Um, and back to the new mom experience, what did that, you said it, um, it sort of taught you, you said something interesting, it taught you about your relationship with your husband and how it will never be 50-50. It might be 50-50, <laughs> but it's not going to look, it's not going to be like, yeah, he's gonna be fifty percent of mom. Yeah, and like he might yeah. be doing fifty percent. You know, like how does that how yeah that relationship? Well, evolve? I think you know, becoming a mom these days is hard because right, we we look at our like work, health, you know, family, these different, you know, and we're trying to like put them all on this like even, you know, where there's fifty percent, you know, in everything, and and we're really striving for balance. And I think striving for balance is a wonderful and beautiful thing. And like, it can help signify, like identify when you're out of balance in one area. Um, but going into new motherhood for me, I thought like my husband and I were going to be 50, 50. And then I didn't really realize like science like doesn't allow for that um, because you know, you're breastfeeding and you're doing a lot of, of that piece. And uh, this is a super old school book, but it helps me, but it was um, baby proofing your marriage. And it talks a lot about just like, like men and women are different. Like men are kind of valuing their life based on like 
it's okay. I think we're so, um, you know, sometimes on these narratives of like, I have to be, you know, this, you know, I have to be, I have to, I have to be this work, like I gotta work and I gotta be the, like, I've gotta be hitting it on all cylinders and work and mom, but, but yeah, yeah, it's just not how. I mean, it's just also not fighting reality, like reality, like having small kids, that's a reality that you can't change necessarily the environment of that. So how do we reframe it and how can you live a life that's aligned with your values in that stage of your life? Yeah, and how to be comfortable. I feel like one thing is you have to be constantly flexible. Like mm-hmm. for motherhood, it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, you had to shift. Yeah. Like, yeah. One thing you had said to me also, which I thought was so interesting, it was just a small thing, but you're such an avid skier, obviously, and very talented. And you had you said, <laughs> I will not be the one to teach my daughter how to ski. And I would, because she thinks differently about it. She's much more hesitant. Yes. And I was like, gosh, how was that for you? Because there's so many parents out there that are like, oh, yeah, I'm not there. And I'm going to teach. She's going to be skiing. She's going to be, you know, dropping in Corbett when she's six yeah. or whatever. And you just were like, no, that's not who she is. And yeah. you had to pivot again. Yeah, I think, well, again, um, uh, this is my favorite thing right now. It's like really obsessed with the Enneagram. But Enneagram. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss until it comes to self-awareness. Right. So I recommend everyone do the Enneagram test. Um, a beautiful book is The Road Back to You. And it talks a lot about your different personality types and kind of what you what you what you struggle with when you're out of balance. And it's really it's really a great book. Um, and just to, to kind of like look, you know to really like start to understand yourself. And so, you know, for, sorry, one more book, Think Again, so good. Um, and it was written during the pandemic. Um, and it's just questioning the way you think and approach your relationships with others and like, and you know, why you feel so strongly about some of the things you feel strongly about. And so one of those things is like, my daughter's gonna ski and she's gonna hang with everybody. Um, and for me, you know, the self-awareness piece plus like, just like rethinking how, you know, like not preaching to her. Oh, I know so much of skiing, let me tell you. I'm like coming at her as a preacher. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to come at relationships and my daughter more as a scientist, like asking better questions and her questions, not always been at that. So like asking and understanding where she's coming from. And, um, you know, just to sum it up, she told me, you're not a ski instructor you're a mom and um <laughs> she's just done such a beautiful job of like teaching me how to be a mom um i think we feel like we need to know how like we're like we're a mom you know and um you know you're my daughter and you're gonna be a skier and you know she's she will she will, she's teaching me that that's that's you know that's she's gonna ski on her back she's gonna learn yeah yeah, yeah. Yes, Lindsay. 
Hi. Sorry, I've had to be popping on and off of video because I'm watching this little rascal, but um, Carissa, I'd love to know if you could share like a little bit about your winter and you had, you were down in Mexico and um, had mentioned that was a really healing time for you with your dad. I just wondered if you could share yeah. more about that and kind of where you were before going into that yeah. trip and where you're at now. Yeah, this is a good lead in because I'm an eight. And so eights don't do well when they can't control their environment. They like to control, I'm more, yeah, more of a controlling personality type. I'm still shocked. I did not know I was an eight. So, you know, I can't change that my, um, you know, that my dad died and he died, he died in Mexico for, for those of you who didn't know in, a, in an accident. Um, and I, um, I couldn't change what was happening in politics. Couldn't change what was um, happening with the pandemic. And I just needed to like, needed a break. <laughs> needed to like change my environment for a minute. So I spent six months in Mexico um, through the pandemic. I, I wasn't here. Um, and uh, with just me and my daughters, I lost my husband too. <laughs> My poor, amazing husband, not yes. like he had to work and he came and visited us twice, but um, I just needed that time to be in with my dad in Mexico and really just be right there where he died and face that head on because I, I run and, and create chaos to not deal with the things that I um, am struggling with. And so... It was really good for me to to be there and um, um, just be with my girls. I've always, uh, you know, had a job as well, and so just being there, just being taking care, just having that time, just with my girls, um, was really was really magical. Um, also, just like learned that like I'm not actually that great of a full time mom, and that's okay too. Um, and that work, but I, but I did start to see it as like, that is my work. And that is like, I don't, I, I was, I was having a hard time. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm not making money right now. You know, but like the work that I was doing with my kids is like so important. So again, I just think it's like, you can't always control. Uh, yeah. I tried to control my environment, but I still couldn't take any of the, you know, pain away, but I could start to like, it gave me a moment to kind of reframe and rethink um, where I'm at. In my life and that was really really helpful um I had one more thing. um yeah it was a it was a good good experience and easy to get outside <laughs> okay <laughs> I have one more question um you have any, this is from Chelsea do you have any coping mechanisms in case you do not get into your um, um. <coughs> I think going back to the death meditation, because um, I'm like, I think that's like a root of a lot of our fears is, um, has been helpful for me and just trying to start to have more of a relationship with, um, you know, that there's only, you know, not, not 
holding on so tightly to, to what I feel like I should be doing. Like letting go of the mom guilt has been a huge thing for me. Um, and really focused on that. Um, medication has been, you know, has helped me, uh, given me that space in my mind to, to reframe the way I look at the things that I get anxious about and spiral on. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, uh, being outside in nature um, and making sure I take at least one day a week for myself has been really helpful too. <laughs> um, so I have a question for you because again, as I said, I lost my dad it was yeah. and I almost lost one of my brothers in a sea accident in yeah. high school or middle school. And so the older my kids get and the more active they get, I yeah. do catch myself because you do feel like sometimes yeah. when the first bad thing has happened, like the sea accident, I thought, oh, we've had our we've had yeah. our family drunk. Yeah. And then the next trauma happens, you know, like, yeah. And so then you're like, you're not immune from trauma, just no. to or something. And so sometimes I do find myself yeah. getting I, really scared about the kids. Oh, yeah. The worst. And I yeah. wonder how, do you feel yourself? Yes. A little now. Yes. No, but I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I think, again, I think that's like, it's like gravity, anxiety. I mean, yeah. It's part of life. It keeps us alive. It's, it's part of our DNA. And I think being okay and just recognizing it for what it is. Okay, this is my, like, putting it into it. This is my anxiety about this, you know, and I can't change it. I can't control what happens, right? But I can reframe the way I'm thinking, thinking about things. I, it's... Yeah. yeah, it's and it, the moment passes. The moment passes, and and I do think, you know, living your life aligned with your values, coming back to that, I think that helps you feel like okay. Well, if if I'm super anxious about, you know, I don't know my whatever it is, you know, if, is there is there something that you can you know, change in your life that might help. Yeah, you can't just like keep your kids locked up inside your, you know, but can I, can I talk to a therapist about that? Mm -hmm. Do that a lot, you know? Can I go back to like just me, which, you know, your health, I don't know that you can, mental, spiritual, the physical, is there a red light going off on one of those? And that, you know, let's like, if you can address that, I think that when somebody says, hey, how you doing? you'll be able to say, good, good. Because really that's what matters most, right? Is taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. Yeah. Be there. You mentioned uh, loss of identity being tied to loss of loved ones. And I wonder if you mind walking us through why you do that. Because I feel related to that person. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people do. What is that about? Yeah. Um, I, so for, for my brother, it was, I, I always just had this identity as the big sister. My brother and sister were like BFS and they would gang up on me. And, you know, that was just like, but like, I was their big bossy sister. 
and I was going to take care of them. And if anyone came after them, I was just mama, mama bear sister, right? And that was my identity. I was, I was Michael's big sister. And um, so when he died, it's like, okay, you know, whoa. <laughs> um, you know, I'm so grateful I have my sister and she, um, she saved my life more than once. Um, but I think that's that loss of identity. I mean, that's just, and we tie ourselves so closely to our identities or the people that, and that's another thing that I'm kind of, you know, trying to stop beating myself up over. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think when you lose someone, you know, being seen as like, you know, you're, it's, you know, girls and Michael and Haley, you know, it's like, how many siblings do you have? Like, I, 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 and I said, you know, I, I always say, I always tell people about my brother, but I didn't for a long time. Just say I have older. But now I, I talk about him and that he's part of my life still. Um, I'm still getting there with my dad. It's been, you know, a year, but, um, you know, my, my identity for the last 10 years was like trying to take care of my parents. And, um, you know, I mean, now, now when everyone's not there, and that's a huge shift. Um, I do now. You go down and take care of the house that he was working on, you know. Um, so I think that we just have something like that identity, and that's again reframing, reprototyping. Okay, like I'm here, I can't change that reality, but I can make my life what you know, I, I can again align it with my values and, and make it the way that I want to be because I'm a designer, you can't control the other shit. of other people I think my mom didn't want a mom like her mom and I don't necessarily want a mom like my mom but I take everything awesome about my mom and I try to do those things that she did and um the things that I can't like making super awesome cakes or um you know throwing really good birthday parties or just you know being you know I I I I, I fall back to her and make sure she, she had all of that and I I mean we I mean, because she, like, when I think of your mom and, like, the stories you said about your yes. dad, a lot of the way yes. she raised you seems like the way you raised your kids in yes. terms of getting after it. In yes. Doors and yes, 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 doing, yes. Like, living life. Yeah, life. absolutely. Yeah. No, she, um, she always, and that's kind of, like, the, with the whole basis of the company that we founded with her is getting outside and um, being, being together um, as a family and, um, yeah, so now we run a business together. I mean, I, um, and she'll look at some of the things I'm doing from a mothering standpoint, and she'll be like, hmm. but she, but she, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all of our mothers do Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, my mom was 
<laughs> so tell us how you did uh, Crown Explore. Wait, I've never yeah. actually heard that. Um, so my mom, well, this is like the like, I mean, we wanted to all do something together for a really long time and we wanted to do something to honor my brother. So again, like bringing him back in part of our lives, like, like I think it's just so important when you're going through grief and, um, but in, in, in living out things that they wanted to do and doing those things, going on the trips that they wanted to go on, starting the projects. My brother was very entrepreneurial. He always wanted to do something with kids. Um, the things like multiple things that just led up. But my mom like just flat out walked into the room and was like, if you guys want, she didn't want to be retired. If you guys want to do something with me, then you need to figure it out. We're like, okay. <laughs> so we just like, but really that, that drove us to like really sit down and be like, what is this? What, what are we passionate about? Because we don't like, I think so many of us at all ages of our life, like, what are we passionate about? That's a hard question to ask a 17 year old too. Like, what are you passionate about? Or a kid, we have to try as many different things. I think that's a big part of it. It's just trying different things, failing fast and finding out what you're passionate about. But we started to go down the, you know, we want, to get our kids outside. We can't change global warming completely, but what can we do? Like, what are some things that we can do? Okay, we start, can start to make a difference in the fashion industry. Okay, we can start to use more natural fibers. How can we build a business that's all about like creating little nature fanatics like through like a, a industry that's like pretty hard on the, and awful on our environment. Um, and, you know, if, like eventually out of this really deep rabbit hole that we went down, um, out came Explore and then went through multiple prototypes. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's been just a really rewarding um, journey. Mm -hmm. um, hi, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's creepy to have somebody behind you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> It's part of the, it's part of it. And 
I want but typically to... death when you're old. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, no, 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 it's no. not the way it's supposed to work. Right? Yeah. Or you think at least that's the narrative we've been told. Exactly. And I think it's breaking free of that narrative. Like, I, you know, again, like this, this could be my last interaction with people. And I want, like, I want to live a life where I'm connecting and giving back and living. I don't want to hide from death because I can't control it. It's going to happen. Um, and I'm not in control of when. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've learned that lesson is well, like to me, when people die, I've had friends die prematurely. My brother almost died in middle school. My dad died, and um, like you don't know, like, your time is your time. People will always say, "Oh, well, they died before their time." It's like that was their time. Like that, it's not. We're not. You can't control that. I mean, like you want to stay home, but then you might get run over walking across the street mm-hmm. with the garbage out. You just don't know. Like, and last winter, so my daughter broke her femur skiing. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, I almost lost my brother in the sport. I've lost friends to the sport. Mm-hmm. My daughter just broke her femur, you know, at age eight. Why do I participate in the sport? But then it's like, because it gets us out and it's healthy and usually it's safe. And, you know, and it's, yeah. you don't, I don't, I mean, you, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I get, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think when I, when I would focus on how I feel most alive for me, is I love to, to, to get in my flow state, and that's being in nature, climbing mountains, going out kiteboarding. I mean, we never thought my, my dad died kiteboarding, and we never thought we would kiteboard again. You know, for return to Mexico, when I got down there. I don't, I'm not really going to sit on the beach anyway, <laughs> you know, and so, mm-hmm. why you're sitting on the beach. so, yeah. so I kiteboarded all winter long, and it was wonderful, and, you know, to get into that flow state, like, finding that, that's just living, you know, um, and I think it's so important, you don't know what you're going to be passionate about, or how you get to your flow state, until you just try, you try new things, um, and you try to, if, if you are anxious, ask for help, um, because, and if you, you try it first time with somebody that you're like, you want to learn this sport, or you want to try this or that, and, the, and, it, and it doesn't work out, you just have the wrong helper, or the wrong mentor, and just, just try, try to surround yourself. Life is not a piece of art. It is a journey. It is a team effort. You cannot do it by yourself. Can't be mother. Like there's a lot of moms doing a lot of things by themselves, but you. But it's so important to have, ask for help. Ask for help. Um. So if you're trusting me, you can tell just someone um else, because I don't think I ever helped you very well until like it came up with six a.m. a couple years later. You know, it's like yeah. in the moment, I think a lot of people, especially with sudden death, the instincts just keep going. You know, like, why? I'm not going to lie on the couch and cry. The person I lost would want me to, so let me just keep going. Um, and if you had something, um, you know, if you were giving advice to someone who's dealing with a big trauma, whether yes. it's divorce, death, you know, whatever it is, 
loss of a job or you know what would you say like having learned She's a therapist who specializes in postpartum depression and other mom type issues. So that should be a great one. And we will distribute the audio podcast and the video of this conversation through our uh, e-newsletter, Mindful Musing. And so if there is someone who you think would benefit from this converse, hearing this conversation, please feel free to share. Please sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date with our events, and um, if you have any ideas of conversations that you'd love to see happen in the future, uh, we'd love to get that kind of feedback. So please be in touch with us. Thank you to everyone who joined on Zoom, everyone who came to the 
and uh, into curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, and be well. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.